Are you down? Down to what? Down to earth. Hi, I'm Anel. And I'm Asia. And this is Habitan's Down to Earth podcast. A platform for intergenerational conversations for people and planet. Here at Down to Earth, we want to give power and awareness on ways the youth can become social entrepreneurs. And how will we do that? Well, Habilan aims to make Down to Earth a podcast platform for changemakers to voice out their truths and inspire the youth. By listening to the ones before us and even after us, we might be able to learn something new and bring awareness to solutions that we may need. So let's listen, tune in, open up, and ground ourselves in the conversations we are about to hear. Because here at Down to Earth, we are down to earth. Let's get down to it! Okay. <laughs> so, hey, Joe, what do we have in store for us today? Today, we'll be exploring about how our country utilizes our resources and food production with a focus on the practices done by our beloved local farmers in the Philippines and tackle more about regenerative agriculture. You know, wow, I'm really excited for that because I think one of the things that people don't really realize is that farmers really play a vital role in our food systems. And I'm really excited to learn more about their expertise and learn more about how I can support them. Definitely. Their hard work really something to look up to. But moving forward, here with us today, we have two special speakers to talk about regenerative agriculture. And the first one is um, someone who has started their social enterprise in 2011 and began revolutionizing and encouraging sustainable change through introducing an alternative food system based on ecological and ethical farming. She's from the Good Food community. Welcome, Charlene Tan. How are you feeling today? Good. <laughs> A little old, but good. <laughs> so, if you'd um, give a background about um, Good Food Community, that'd be great. Um, yeah, so like listening to you guys uh, get excited about uh, farming and learning about, yeah, just learning about nature and um, food production. Um, reminds me of what I was like <laughs> over a decade ago starting good food um, sorry what the question was yeah so I think at heart I am like you <laughs> you know just I guess still dreaming of what the world could be and very curious about how we can make it more sustainable and equitable for everyone and realizing that our farmers are at the heart of this happy to like 10 years hence be working with them and in a way that I feel we can make our small contribution Thank you so much for that. Okay, next up we have the Kai Farms where they make organic produce accessible to all Filipinos. Hello, Carla. Hi. Hi from Palawan. Oh, wow. Yes, I love it. I would kill to be on a beach right now, honestly. I'm Come so visit, tired. <laughs> okay, so maybe you can share with us um, some of the things that you guys do at Kai Farms. So Kai Farms is a permaculture farm that is into seed saving and teaching people how to grow food naturally without any chemicals and over here we, we're in Silang Cavite is our first farm and I'm out here in Palawan to start Kai Farms here so we've chosen Palawan because um, it's it's a resilient place it, it doesn't have fault lines and volcanoes and typhoons here are much gentler so 
here we're doing regenerative agriculture, ecosystem restoration, women empowerment. We're uh, putting up a post-harvest processing facility to give women earning opportunities and also create organic products, teaching kids earth love and earth care. And yeah, a lot of stuff, master classes on climate action, how to create a food forest and how to make the most of what we have in those forests. We're also into medicinal gardens and medicinal forests and really just making the most out of the gifts that Mother Earth gives us and, you know, being inspired and inspiring others to live close to nature, live in harmony with nature and partner with nature. Wow. Thank you so much, Carla. That's so wonderful to hear all of your initiatives and like how um, your different advocacies intersect. So like the women empowerment and our regenerative farming and all so amazing. <laughs> um, maybe Charlene also can share a bit about um, Good Food Community, like what your different initiatives. Okay, yeah, I shouldn't fail to do that. Um, <laughs> picking up from where I said, like me in my twenties, that was at the start of like the questions of the sustain of sustainable development and just kind of the limits of our, you know, <laughs> of existence, right? What does development mean and what does a meaningful existence mean for everyone? What captured my imagination was this idea called community shared agriculture or what we've translated into Pamayanihan, which is a way, it's a sort of solidarity economic system where we share in the harvest of our farmers. So by pledging upfront for a share of the harvest, our farmer, our smallholder farmers can grow organically. They're freed from the pressure of the market and we can pay them fairly as well and I think what was most transformative for me I guess is realizing how the diverse production not only feeds the soil but feeds our farmers as well and when we ask the question of food security or food sovereignty it is through this partnership that they are able to to choose and they're able to feed their families as well as us so um, being in partnership with the farmers in this model uh, makes a big difference um, in the lives of our farmers so we're hoping to replicate this model all over the Philippines. That's so great. I'm so fascinated by agriculture in general. So I'm so excited to see like all of these people who are working with you guys to come up with these frameworks or like these um kind of, I, I guess I would say like somewhat of a curriculum for Filipinos all over. And I just wanted to ask, like, is there any type of like framework or course or maybe a theory that you guys followed when creating like the structures for your social enterprises or did this just come organically? I guess for us, it would be the principles of permaculture because permaculture goes beyond farming into whole systems thinking, design thinking, where your, you know, your house is designed with the rainwater harvesting in mind, with the solar in mind, and where it's all integrated. So I guess that is the basis really, but so open and not only coming from one school of thought, because we feel like it's also about pollination, you know, being like, if you use the analogy of bees, where there's flowers everywhere and bees like pollinate and we are about creating ecosystems and connecting to what's around us also so for example here as we start Kai Farms in El Nido, we're going to be doing visioning with the community of uh, a barangay called Nuibahay. It's a women-led barangay and it's completely 100% solar powered. They're very open and they, we're going to be doing visioning with the community so that we get to hear about what are their dreams and how do, you know, what are their wishes for the future for their kids and grandkids in terms of how they want their community to be. So we're 
incorporating that, we also tap into the whole biodynamic farming movement, which has a spiritual component. And I think that spiritual component is important when you're, when you're doing this kind of work, because it's, it's required. Like if you're, if you want to transform society, you need to first transform yourself. So there's something called inner conditioning workshops, which the ecosystem of stakeholders and sustainable agriculture, ESA, um, they are doing these workshops across the Philippines. They've had it in the Visayas, in Mindanao, and they're going to come to Palawan. And it's called inner conditioning because it's about first doing the inner work that needs to happen to be able to make this work happen at a larger scale for other people. So ESA is working with local government units and holding these workshops so that the change can be really like deep and not just isolated in silos, but really like a whole, the whole system has a chance to transform. So also working with with groups like ESA so that it's not only a private initiative, but also includes civic society, you know, groups and and the local municipalities and, and at the barangay level even so that you're really working to transform and change the fabric of society in a way, right? To And having it rooted in some kind of spirituality, I think is important. I, I definitely agree. And I, I guess the way I'm making the connection now is that in the modern world, spirituality is like not so practiced, in, especially in the younger generation. And I feel like this is also some way that we kind of go back to our culture as Filipinos because in the beginning, that was really what we did. We were very spiritual as a culture. And like, so it's really nice that you're bringing that back into our modern life. So I'm wow. As an aside, um, a little cuento, huh? Shar and I were roommates at the the last big gathering of the ecosystem of stakeholders in sustainable agriculture. I was roommates with Shar and Mabi, and that's where we really like got super close and realized like I mean we already knew we were aligned before, but that's where we were kind of like crying and doing group hugs, you know, during the <laughs> the whole presentations on climate crisis and everything, yeah. and just feeling like oh my god, this is pretty overwhelming, but you know we can do this it was literally the calm before the storm you know like just yeah. <laughs> holding each other bracing ourselves like for the work ahead and that was just before the lockdown that was in feb yeah february yeah. of 2020. oh my gosh it was a huge oh. gathering of people who are already doing amazing things from all over the philippines you know from all sectors of society wow that, that sounds wow. so exciting <laughs> I think that's also the magic of our world like for you to be connected with people who have exactly the same mindset as you and have the same passions as you I think that's one of the things that also keeps us going like in, in Habilin in general so that's so nice thank you for sharing that story with us I think now Charlene could um, share her insights yeah so I guess the question it's a good question like what sort of frameworks and I think um, even as uh, as desperate as this times is like maybe if you think I don't know centuries or something it's also a time of I mean it is a time of great change right where our systems of thought are being questioned and I think so it's a very sort of creative time and so there isn't I think in order to continue to do this work we cannot afford to stick to just one framework sort of it's 
kind of like working with it as we go along. Um, and I maybe the best one, the best way to talk about it, maybe organically, you know, but like also developing a kind of intuition towards what feels more human, what feels like the call is at that particular time that, you know, that honors the people you work with, that honors where you are historically, politically, and, you know, I came into this work, uh, I was when I was in development work, so I was working for an NGO, and I wasn't in agreement with sort of the way a lot of things about it. And so in a way, moving into social enterprise was a way of choosing how to frame a particular relationship and respond to the context. Does that sound too abstract to you? <laughs> I guess to be more specific, like I think at that time, the and perhaps even now, like the NGO world can be very prop can be very driven by funders right and i think but i think there's a lot of like recovery now of trying to be more open and trying to be more radical in allowing sort of the people to lead the agenda but at that time it felt like our relationships with the people we served were sort of secondary to trying to survive right to trying to um write a proposal that you know that people elsewhere think is better for you know which sounded really so in a way um putting up a social enterprise for me was a way of like hoping to journey with the, our farmers long term and respond to them as the relationship unfolded you know and so along the way there were many frameworks upon to choose from so like how do you put up a business right what is fair what is equitable what is sustainable and there are many ways of thinking about it which is also like amazing to to rifle through and it's i think it's great now that there's a plurality of ways um but through the the journey one also develops or continues to develop a sense of like what is right at the moment and what no longer serves after a certain point i mean it took a it's taking it takes a lot <laughs> from you i think perhaps uh as a human being you learn to um be more to listen in different ways you know to listen to what's not being said to listen to how people might be feeling and to learn to motivate people yourself <laughs> and i think that's what's also amazing to be working like with Carla like whenever we have a call with Carla we see how beautiful Palawan is she takes a moment to like just <laughs> like literally talking to her like it's like a breath of fresh air and like hushes like the city life <laughs> that is in our minds you know um so there are different flavors that i think perhaps the word framework doesn't even capture that allows us to bring our whole selves to the work and that we must constantly renew so Yeah, I guess to shorten the answer, no, there wasn't one framework which was great, which can be kind of um, uh, daunting or confusing at times. But I, I quite enjoyed, and I continue to enjoy like reading about um, how other people do it. So there are words like community of practice now, and like through Zoom, we're also learning how the agroecological movement is taking over in different forms in the world. So learning from that example has also been very life giving. I love that so much. Thank you so I much for that. sharing wow. that. That is so good. I think what really stuck to me was how you mentioned that you wanted to make your social enterprise more human, right? Compared to the old NGO always, when which is more driven by funders' decisions and all. What I also took from what you said was it's good that you're taking change a uh, little by little, because the only constant thing is in this world is change. And I love how you guys are really open to all the opportunities. So Anel. Oh, I just wanted to add that like, I love that 
kind of flexible mindset that you have. It's I think that's something that a lot of I don't know. I feel like I struggle with it personally because I'm such like a clear cut like plan 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 person, and I I love that that take it as you go kind of mindset in some ways. And it's really cool that um also that it's very people centered. I think that's one of the things that really makes social enterprises work. It's like the people at the heart of it. And I love what you said about listening, listening to what's not being said. That's just oh my god, that hit me right at the heart, like right here. <laughs> So thank you so much for sharing that. We have a question. Often when you live in the city, food is readily available, and we generally don't、uh, get to learn or take time to appreciate the process of how the food gets to our tables. How are your initiatives filling the gap and changing this urban food narrative? For Thai farms,、um, I think really like with food community, we're growing chemical-free food, which is really rare in the Philippines. The Philippines in Southeast Asia has the most GMO crops, and it's pretty unregulated in terms of GMO. So, what we do at the farm is really going back to the purity of growing food that is not gonna give you chronic illnesses, you know, but instead give you good health and well-being. And the way we're doing permaculture is like, I mean, just to give some context, organic agriculture means chemical-free farming. But sometimes it happens on soil that is completely depleted. That consumers may not know the difference between the different kinds of organic. You know, just because it's organic actually doesn't mean、um, it is full of you know nutrients. So the permaculture has soil health at its heart. So we're looking after soil health twenty four seven in what we're mulching. Mulch is like a permaculture term of just feeding the soil. I guess is the way to to, to put it. You're using、um, things like uh, the uh, chop and drop of the leaves of cacaoate, which feeds the soil. So you're putting that on top of the gardens, and this is happening like around the clock. So the what grows out of soil like that is very different from what grows from depleted soil. So we're bringing this, we're bringing like food with life force into the cities. Which are quite depleted of life force energies, right? Because our cities don't have many trees left, and there's not much nature left in our cities. So, in a way, this is one way that we're bringing that life force back into homes, into people who live in condominiums, and it's it's connecting them to the to the good and healing of nature through through food and what we what we bring. And also, of course, we've been teaching grow your own food workshops. But they were kind of—they've been put on hold since COVID, just to protect the farming community from COVID.、Um, and also, the—I think the seed saving is a big component because we're saving seeds and we're not treating them with any fungicide. Whereas,、um, and we're sharing these seeds so that people and communities can grow their own food. We're sharing soil with communities like Good Food Community. They have something called Food Today, Food Tomorrow. And slow food, sari sari, is、um, another initiative of Good Food. They're working with the most vulnerable communities in our cities and teaching them how to grow food. So we've shared permaculture soil with them. You know, we're part of each other's community of practice, which I just I love that they're really good at 
documenting things so that it can easily be replicated. I definitely agree. I like this notion that you guys share resources. I feel like that's something that needs to be practiced in every corner of the world. I mean, I think that's at the heart of like regenerative culture. It's like you really need to be able to say, okay, this is not just mine. This is everyone. We should be sharing what we have. And I, I super agree with the fact that things do need to be documented because then it is easy for like to replicate. That's just so amazing. I like how you guys have this shared passion, this shared vision, and you're helping each other get to different places and like kind of instill that in different communities all over. So I love this like teamwork, like community building. It's just so amazing for me. <laughs> like yeah, and when... by the way, I want to send you guys like some of our harvest baskets. So at the end of this, please give me your your delivery address so you you can kind of taste what I'm talking about. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Aja, wait. <laughs> wait, I just got so killing. <laughs> Aja knows, like, I love to cook, so I'm super excited for that. I would love oh, that nice. so much. <laughs> I guess adding to that also, what I noticed about your initiatives, it's about, like, saving soil, seed saving. It's it's like, going back to basics. You don't need special, like, really big special equipment, right? Or anything. Yeah. You ground yourself. Go back to the start. Yeah, back to basics. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something... We overlook a lot, you know, uh, when it comes to saving the environment, we always try to think of like these innovative ways. Sometimes you just have to take a step back and look at what you have, right? I love that note. I feel like what's overlooked a lot also is like, soil is a living thing. You have to treat it right. And I love that you guys are really into the heart of, of soil, like soil culture and like kind of, you know, um, treating it as the living thing that it is. I feel like that's so overlooked, especially in urban communities because like you can readily buy like new soil all the time. And like, I guess that's not something that really comes to people's minds when they're like thinking about planting and, and stuff like that so that's just so mm-hmm. amazing and yeah that's crazy that's so good I love that <laughs> yeah I'm just like really at a loss for words because I'm learning so much and it's only been like I don't know how many minutes it's just so crazy it's just amazing that you guys yeah are, we can send you yeah. soil and seeds also if you want oh my gosh yes I'd love that I always like show well I mean I, you know that's the plantita phase but I've never I can only grow basil and then that's it like everything else dies on me I don't know (laughs) yeah it's all the soil is where the magic is the soil is the secret sauce (laughs) (laughs) yeah I agree so I guess we could go to the next question right now Um, so next one is how do methods in regenerative agriculture improve the resources that are utilized instead of depleting or destroying them Nice. I have a lot to say there, but maybe Shar wants to share. Um, I had just prepared an answer to the previous question. <laughs> um, maybe you could answer that because yeah, you're doing so much thinking. in that realm. <laughs> okay. Yes, go ahead. Please go ahead. Well, yeah, so many, so many tangents. No, but I think what I'd like to pick up from what Carla said, and I think. <laughs> I feel like I don't like being in the field and getting to work with our farmers and you know outdoors and stuff has given us so much and it's so different I think from what an urban experience is like so like the urban narrative is a lot about uh, consumption or of productivity or of just kind of you know economics I guess making the most out of things and um, to an extent that can be a little 
soil uh, soulless <laughs> you know or soul crushing and when you when you work outdoors with people with living things for an extended period of time and you learn to listen to you know the seasons and accept things as they are i feel like something happens to you and so and i guess in that sense the narrative changes like you perhaps you become kinder to yourself perhaps something softens in the way you look at life and the way you look at your existence so i think that's why the, you know the move to like want to share you must enjoy the produce you, you must give like some sense of the sea some sense of this um, living experience with you. With good food in particular, changing the urban narrative has been by offering something almost completely countercultural, right? You don't get to choose what you're gonna get. <laughs> you know, it's what farmer has in season and it's completely not individualistic, right? It's so communitarian. <laughs> it's like not about what you want at this time, not something you order off a menu, but it's about what's good for the whole. So like shifting of focus from the person like individually to a consciousness of that whole is what we try to do and try to make that palatable and even delicious for people uh, is is the hope behind good food. And of course, you know, we deliver it through baskets, through um, hopefully through stories. And I think also because Carla and I are, are, it is a gift to be able to work in this space and to be able to continue to work in this space. And like just recently, we heard that our farmers in, in Mountain Province have a practice of like, you know, like community pantries, but like you just get what you want from each other's farms really because they knew everyone and that's just the way that their culture is you know they know that people are hungry so help yourselves so, and they have a tradition of medicine and practice and stuff so um, we hope to share that of course the best thing is to visit the farms yourselves um, for you to shift for the subject to shift but um, in between it's through our stories and through we offer may I add something sure. to that Shai that was beautifully um, expressed that there's a softening that happens to people when you're outside of the city and working with, with working in the garden or working with soil. I was really planning to come back. I was just here on a remote island expedition when the lockdown happened and I chose to stay because I was really planning to come back to start, find a location for a resilient community. But back to the city and um, I think like something I'd like to, sh- to, to do is to inspire people to think about maybe life outside our cities because 75% of Um, greenhouse gas emissions come from cities. So for me, that's such a, like, that's an immediate solution to the climate crisis we're in, right? There there would be like an immediate effect because imagine 75% of greenhouse gas emissions come from cities. So if people started to consider leaving the cities and to start living closer to nature, it's so much easier to be sustainable and it's so much easier to live a life that is good for your health and good for the planet's health. Yeah, I think I definitely noticed like the, I guess, well, I would, I just want to say like your aura when you speak, I feel so calm. Like there's this calming aura that takes over. Because <laughs> I don't know. That's Carla. <laughs> 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 
Yes, so zen. Like you sound so relaxed, and like I think that really does come from the fact that you have this con- connecting with nature, being around nature for so long. And I feel like in in contrast, like being here in the city, locked up in my home, like forever, is like, is also kind of driving me crazy. And it's only now in in this pandemic, right, that I've. Kind of made that connection. That the thing that keeps me sane is like being connected with nature. It's like yeah. when you go out. Yeah, definitely when you go out to like. I guess when people like go on vacation and stuff, they don't realize that it's because you're going. You're usually going to a place that has nature like surrounded in it. Like especially if you go to the beach, if you're going to like even just I don't know, just somewhere that might just be like right outside Manila. But there's really this connection to nature. Like when you leave the city, and there's just so much less, I guess, noise. In so much different aspects, and that's kind of what makes you so calm. And that's definitely true. I think if everyone just kind of decided to disperse into all the different provinces and see like what what we all have like um, waiting for us in different places in the Philippines, like we wouldn't all just be packed here. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I want to create that space here. I want to create a space where people like you can come. You know, people who are ready to experience and just try it out can yeah. come and live this way. So that's part of the vision for Kai Farms in Palawan is to create an intentional community where it's all going to be sustainable architecture, food gardens, food forests, and you know, working with community in places that really nourish the spirit, nourish the soul, nourish the body, the mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of like when I was when I graduated in what 2006. Like the dream was of an eco city, and I don't know. I think I still hold that like. Why can't most places look like UP? You know, like more just trees and parks, and have that side by side with cultural events. Have you know outdoor concerts, music, and just less more living. You know, mm-hmm. today. Yeah. yeah. I'm also adding to what Anela and Char said. Like, yeah, I think being out of the city makes you realize. Um, not just like about yourself. Like, of course, you'll realize a lot about yourself when you're around nature because you get to that mood where you just like think about everything <laughs> happening in your life. Um, but also, it makes you think about yeah the, our environment, our community, what our country has to offer. Yeah, everybody is so stuck in Metro Manila, and um, yeah, like we're like one of the most biodiverse countries, um, and there's just so much to explore. And I think adding to uh, what Carla said, it's not just also um, healthy, healthy food, um, but also it's a healthy mind. Like when you're around nature, your mental health just like <laughs> boosts up and it gears away from the noise of the city and all. So yeah, and I feel like there can be a sort of monoculture of you know the way people think in the city and when you are exposed to something completely different from yourself like puede pala you know like there, yeah. are different <laughs> there are different ways to react to certain situations or you know and you discover like I think other elements of yourself come alive and then you're like I think I really appreciate your initiatives um, because you're giving the opportunity for people to really experience to really immerse themselves into these communities the environment because I think the best way to learn about agriculture and it's really to immerse yourselves into and then I guess I mean it doesn't stop there right and then you wonder like with Philippines being primarily or used to be primarily agricultural or where a majority of you know our population are still 
trying to make a living off the land why is it so difficult like why is this mm-hmm. experience of, of um freedom and um joy i suppose that we experience in traveling not their everyday experience of you know trying to survive and so mm-hmm. yeah there is that sort of awakening to like the political engagement i think also some of the like connecting with nature something that also gets awakened is like when when you kind of realize that there is something bigger than you there is more to the world than you like when you i guess when you connect with nature especially like kind of just thinking about how nature works it's always working together it's working for each other it's not just working for itself there's never like a plant or there's never like anything in nature that is doing something solely for itself like it's always like this ecosystem it's like a community within itself so there's just so much to learn like from being connected with nature that i think it's just so hindered especially when you live in the city because there's not there's yeah. no nature around you and it's like it can just be <laughs> sometimes i feel like that's one of the biggest reasons that like a lot of people who live in the city will always just think about themselves or like will start to like make decisions based off of what they need what they want and not really thinking about the bigger impact so yeah i think just connecting with nature is like definitely something that everyone should at least try once and see how much that would change your life and we can see it in in you guys today like you know the, just the, even just the change in the tone of voice and the change in like the overall energy of the the room when people who have connected with nature is like that difference it's such a big difference and it's just something i guess that i wish everyone would be able to experience and it's amazing that you guys are starting these like initiatives that will give people the opportunity to do that because I guess for people in my generation there's like I guess there's like this daunting task of like okay where do I start like where where do I go from here okay I want to do this how can I do it so it's amazing that you guys are starting these things that will help us to make those decisions and get started good delve into a discussion about how the youth um can move towards a regenerative agriculture and what we can do um as a current situation I'm I mean I'm creating Kai Farms here as a place to inspire and working with people you know like yourselves and um somebody named Elias who he's he's um Elias I think is 19 and he wants um his generation to get into more regenerative agriculture so he's the one who's been doing the inner conditioning workshops his mentor is Nick Perlas. Nick Perlas is actually the reason why I'm also in agriculture. I took a workshop with him, finding and aligning with your life purpose. But so anyway, Nick and Elias are working on these inner condition workshops and they're I think young people are so aware and switched on about the urgency of the situation. There's like a consciousness that's missing in older generations, I find. So I think, you know, connecting with people like yourselves who feel that urgency and who want to take action now, I think that's really the way to go and to to kind of join hands and do this all over the Philippines but also just all over the region, the world. Yesterday I was in a Zoom with uh this program in MIT. Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Cambridge, Massachusetts and they're starting um a program for, you know, leadership transformation with sustainability and regenerative ways of living at its heart and um they asked me, you know, they they presented and um 
they asked, how do you think we can make our program better? And I, I, I said, uh, please, like now for this lab, it's a lab that they're doing to bring um, people who are already doing this kind of work together and putting our heads together so we can, you know, kind of what they call it, the words they use is co-sense and co-create the emerging future. So I think it's essential to involve people like yourselves. So, you know, because everybody there was... I didn't notice anybody who was in their 20s. So I'm like, guys, if you don't have young people in the room, then you're going to be in a bubble. It's not really going to, you know? So I think I think maybe it's an intergenerational um, mentoring where um, people who have a lot of experience can work with people who already share this consciousness and who have the skills to make change happen quickly with um you know, the support of technology to reach, reach more people, to be able to communicate quickly and effectively. So I think this combination is a way that um, we could move forward together. And I see it, I witness it in um, in groups like Shar's Slow Food Sari Sari, you know, we're partnering with Project Pulo and Habilin. And, you know, there's like this, um, there's an ease with creating beautiful visuals and translating uh, you know big ideas but translating it and making it relatable and making it um, so beautiful to look at and so beautifully stated that you're just moved to take action right now so I think that that's kind of how I see it happening does that make sense yes yes I think that that's very true like in in any industry like when you want to start like I guess a movement you have to have the youth involved because there's a very different like way that I guess our generation kind of intakes information or gets moved by a certain way like I think to really truly understand that you have to be like immersed or be part of like be in that generation to see like how how I guess the difference came from like how we grew up like with uh, all this technology around us and everything so the way we intake or digest information or like kind of get moved by certain things is very different from I guess the way older generations would so I, I really like the idea of involving the youth and it's so true because I mean involving the youth really means that they know their part and what what it takes like to create this future that they want and kind of they get to also dictate how they want the future to be and that's just so amazing and I think what's daunting for the youth is like you, you're kind of afraid I guess to make mistakes even if there is room to make mistakes it's like you don't really know like what the repercussions are of those mistakes so I think that's something that definitely hinders our generation so it's so nice to have like I guess what you were saying um, Carla to have like a mentor in that kind of aspect so that's great yeah adding to that um, on there's this is thing we always say in Habilin, just intergenerational innovation. And um, what I really like about that is the young ones, <laughs> we all have those big ideas. We dream so big, but then we don't know like how to ground ourselves or make it realistic. And that's when also the older generations come in with more experience. And then we just like make a, we, we find the middle ground. Uh, we inspire the, old, uh, the older generations to continue dreaming big. <laughs> And then, yeah, it's, it's just a, a hand-in-hand thing. And I think maybe a problem 
to be the avenue for them to collaborate. And I think that's what um, that's what's so great about your initiative, so it provides people the avenue to do that. Um, so, Char- Charlene, what would you like to yeah, add? In case like Carla hasn't made it clear how in amazement and awe we are with like what you're able to do, <laughs> I think you do point us in a direction of further like what else is possible. And I guess like just I guess looking back, you know, your twenties are a great time <laughs> to make all the mistakes you need to. You will not have this kind of energy <laughs> and freedom, or you know, maybe you could build towards a different kind of freedom. But I'm glad for. I feel like I'm I am where I am because I can share with you all the mistakes I made, and every and because I've learned from them, right? And so I would say I would invite you to like get out of your comfort zone. You know, if if something calls you, um, re- regenerative agriculture. What does that look like to you specifically? I ask you to listen to that, even though no one else is going in that direction, and to do it because you know who else will. So I think that's. A great contribution because, like, only you would have that sort of about imagination. Only you would be called in that particular way. We're all figuring it out as we go along. No one, not one of us, has like the solution <laughs> to heal this planet. So we need you to be you, and we need you to um, make yourself heard and creative in the way that um, you can with your energy and creativity. Oh my gosh, and, that is so comforting. <laughs> yeah, and we're here, you know. Like, <laughs> You could be like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I thought this, and like, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it humbles you. Really. <laughs> it can only be a good thing. Shara, that was so said in such a way that was so comforting. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys, like, would you like come out here, and um, if you had a place to stay that was safe and comfortable, and we had food. I mean, would you guys come out here and help me plant cashew, jackfruit, you know, like do the food forest and work with the community and try regenerative agri? Um, would it be something you would do? Would you actually like take flight and just try it? Yes. Definitely. Yes, definitely. Oh, I would. Like, I feel like what? that's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the dream. And then if you like to cook, you mentioned you like to cook. I mean, there's definitely like the healing power of food is at the heart of what we do, gut health. But also it's got to be really delicious, right? Because uh-huh. food is like, um, I'm reading this book, Mystic Cookbook, and it talks about how food, like how you grow the food, it, it gives the food certain energy. And also how you prepare the food, you know, if you're preparing it with a lot of love and care the people receiving and eating that food will feel differently than you know if it was prepared like in an industrial way so there's you know just to lure you to try to to come here one day yes you could also cook in our farm kitchen yes we're gonna have like a farm yeah you're adults kitchen garden (laughs) oh my gosh wow that's amazing I think that's so the dream. I think at least maybe like once a month, I'll dream about having my own like garden somewhere where people don't exist and like, I don't know, like somewhere where like it's quiet and like just being surrounded by nature and kind of just 
I don't know. You know those like very idealistic like movies where she just lives in the countryside and she's just making her own. She kills her chicken or whatever, and like, like you know what I mean. Sounds <laughs> like that kind of, like, you know that vibe. <laughs> After all, like the energy prepared. Into the- <laughs> <laughs> I actually know people like that here. That's what's amazing. Like last night's tinola, you know, it was like. It came from the farm of our friend Mai Mai, and she messaged me in the morning on Instagram. She's like, "You know, we're we're gonna have some chickens later." And I met these chickens. I mean, I saw them. They live in the most amazing place. <laughs> so when we ate the chicken pinola, it was really different. I mean, it tasted clean and fresh, and really different from any chick- chicken I've eaten. But you know, that you're gonna find in a plastic bag <laughs> in the yeah. grocery super different um, so yeah I mean there's people like that who exist one of the things I love about being out here is um, I think is meeting people like everybody who's out there is pretty out here is pretty brave because they're totally out of their comfort zone and um, they just decided to go for it and fell in love without me though because it's just majestic I mean in terms of natural beauty it's just uh stunning every day every sunset every beach walk i mean you just and all and so the people out here they also make stuff because you can't get stuff here so you then you end up learning how to make stuff so everybody here makes stuff um and i love it because i've always wanted to make stuff and i just never got around to it in manila i think because i was always stuck in traffic like traffic just ate my life you know <laughs> and now i actually have time i have so much time so i'm making like organic vinegars i make like our kitchen is just full of like i'm brewing like you know star fruit vinegar cashew vinegar native palawan mango vinegar then i've got kombuchas happening <laughs> so i'm just like making all these things that It's like a dream come true in a way that um, being out here puts you in a place where you just have the time, so you go for it and you make stuff, and then that has a positive impact because it's zero waste, right? Yeah, and I think that I think that also speaks to like the regenerative culture, you know, um, or in transforming life in in the city. Like it's what. Ha- what happens when you have to make stuff and you have to depend on each other for for basic things right um it invites a completely different way of living i wanted to um what do you think will or can hinder the farming community from implementing these regenerative um, practices um also given like the political social and economic aspects of the philippines achieving i have a lot to say there oh my yeah. god yeah <laughs> You want me to go first? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the first one, I guess, is land reform. Because <laughs> I think what I like, kind of a rude awakening, is realizing that a lot of people just don't have access to actually farm. You know, you know, they may be living on the land, but um, it's a very difficult living. They don't have access to seeds or to technical support or to greenhouses and things and so it's a hard life and so even though we may wax romantic recognize that that's not the way a lot of Filipinos um, experience agriculture and they are threatened in terms of land ownership 
um, I think uh, redistribution is vastly overdue and you know the concentration of land is just getting worse so there's that <laughs> I think you first need land to be able to implement regenerative agriculture the second I think threat um, especially for the Philippines uh, Carla mentioned it a while ago is the influx of GMOs so Um, I think it may be challenging for an urban mind to imagine. But if you can imagine diversity and if you can imagine that freedom, that's what's being taken away when you know GMOs take over the land. And right now, we're trying to stop golden rice from being commercialized, even though it's been legalized. Um, we're trying to raise awareness of what's what the cost will be and when those seeds take over in the way GM corn has in Mindanao we could lose so many varieties of our heritage of diversity and these different ways of life that are around you know in a particular relationship with nature so that's <laughs> what hinders a lot of um, a lot of Filipino farmers and us from and the future generations from that possibility Okay, Carla, I took over the two big ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'll choose just to focus on one because that's that's really such a big one. There's so much that we've seen come in the way of regenerative agriculture. I guess one is the institutional support that exists for chemical agriculture. There are um, four corporations that control the world's seed supply. And um, it's the same corporations that control the seeds, the chemical fertilizers and chemical pesticides, and the pharmaceuticals. They're all interconnected. And, you know, when people talk about seed sovereignty, food sovereignty, health sovereignty, it's all interconnected. But my husband, Leon's like, sovereignty is a big word. You got to make it relatable. Like, <laughs> so, but sovereignty is um, just taking control back. If our farmers had control, you know, over the seeds they plant, instead of buying seeds that are chemical seeds treated with fungicides, And instead of spending money to buy the seeds, they could actually um, go back to discovering that seed saving is so easy and nature, nature is so giving. Nature creates seeds that make more seeds, whereas the corporations create seeds that only seed, you know, you plant it and then they modify it so it doesn't produce seeds. It's messing with a good thing. Um, so if we could just, I think, you know, it came, came, came up earlier in the conversation of going back to basics. If farmers start saving seeds and not leaving the control of the seed supply in the hands of corporations that really cannot be trusted to look out for people's health or planet health. So it's about reclaiming our our rights really to have control over our food system and over our health. I mean, there's so much more I could say, but I think I just want to focus on that, that it starts with seed sovereignty because it gives us food sovereignty. And instead of corporations deciding what should be eating, um, and a lot of it, by the way, a lot of the food is not even food, you know, a lot of the stuff that's in packaging 
it's not even really food anymore, but because of the consumerism that has kind of taken over, you know, through television and through ads, you know, this whole like magic sarap instead of using, like I have like cooks here using magic sarap when there's like a sampalok tree outside or there's like a, you know, there's so many souring agents that you can just pluck from the tree, but then they're expensive to use the packaged one because of marketing <laughs> that's so successful so if we could somehow um, reclaim you know all this is like Filipino heritage like how to how to make the vinegars how to that's one of the master classes we'd like to do and share of just reclaiming that because Pinoy's love suka we love sausawan and we eat a lot of it but a lot of it if you go to a high-end supermarket you're gonna see maybe I shouldn't name them, you know all the big names and those all have like sulfites and chemicals in them but you actually like easily make far more delicious vinegars so it's sort of taking control back from the corporations that um, sure you know business is good business can do good but I think um, for people who don't have much money you can live a really like your life can be really rich without having to spend pesos on things, right? Of just um, making the most of the gifts of the land. And that is the Philippines. I mean, you know, the Philippines is so lush that you plant and it's pretty much going to sprout like everywhere. Like just rainy season, our country gets so green. You know, there are countries that are deserts and they, they it's not the same, but there's so much hunger in the Philippines. And I think it's because corporations are controlling the food system and it doesn't need to remain. So we can reclaim that control back um, just from saving the seeds of the food we eat. Like my kitchen is like my family is always making jokes about like they see like, you know, they see like things and they don't touch it because they know like I'll get upset if they throw it out. But it's just like the... Uh, yeah, taking control back is is a way to do it, and it doesn't cost money. You know, I'll I'll, I'll stop there because I could talk about this all day. <laughs> if I may, I'd like to pick up something from like what Carla said, like because I, I feel like this is where we need um, consumers as well. Like, sure, it is an act of resistance to be interested and to actually act on that you know interest in saving seeds, but. Here is where the partnership with our farmers really makes a difference. Like, in order for them to make seed saving viable, to grow that diversity, they also need people to continue to buy that diversity. I mean, our farmers are choosing to grow these different vegetables instead of one monocrop of cabbage or one, you know, sayote or carrots, which is often the only game in town, you know, and if that's the only if that's the only employment they can have it's that's the only business then really what what chance do they have or like how much can they really resist if the market price goes down as conventional farming often does it has highs and lows they could stand to lose their land you know so or you know if someone gets sick and that's just the game of um, industrial agriculture when consumers when <laughs> city folk resist by actually choosing to cook by actually choosing to receive a box of 
diverse veg- seasonal vegetables, you are shifting that relationship. Like Anel, like what you said, like in nature, it's not just about you, right? It's always a relationship. It's always that sort of harmony. And that's what we're trying to promote because that's the only way it can be more sustainable. If How can the farmers continue to grow things if no one's going to continue to buy them or, or eat them, right? And that's how we plan to propagate the culture. I really like what you guys both mentioned about how food is like such a big part of our culture as Filipinos. I mean, of any culture, because that speaks like mountains about who you are as a culture. And for me growing up, I think one of the things that I lacked was like really being exposed to native Filipino ingredients. And like what you mentioned, Carla, like if my mom makes sinigang, she's not going to make it from like fresh sampalok. Like I've asked her before. I think I've asked her and like I, I said, have you ever tried with sampalok? And she's like, it'll just take too long. And I'm like, but wait, we live in the, the Philippines. You want to at least try it once? And also just because of my like personal interest in food. So. I saw this post actually on Facebook one time. It was like talking about all of these native ingredients that we have. And it was like this ex- like extensive list, so long, of things I have never heard about. And that's just so crazy to me that as a Filipino, this is something I've never been exposed to. So I, I really agree with Carla and how she was saying that we have to take that, I guess, take that power back and like fight back in the sense that we should be consuming something that we know what's in it and like something that we've made. I think there's also like that sense of like connection with your food when you're the one who's growing all of these things and like pouring your own love into it. So that, that's amazing. I think that's definitely the dream. Carla, I am hopping on a plane like like now, okay, like yesterday. Good. I'm going <laughs> to wait for you. <laughs> so much to talk about. We're all doing these like nomadic dinners of just dinners in beautiful settings. You know, like I live in a forest now, so we're going to have one here. We're going to set it up. This is inspired by what we see on Instagram. <laughs> You know, the really pretty table settings, forest and all. We're going to try yeah. doing that here. And wow. All always supporting the organic farmers. you got to support the organic farmers. That's the thing. Like, you got to decide where you're going to put your money. Because if you keep buying the pesticide produce, you're supporting, your money is supporting the pesticide companies. And people tend to go for, like, what's cheapest, but they don't question why it's so cheap. Yeah. yeah. That's also what's difficult, I think, for us. <laughs> I guess like the notion like served in a supermarket like whatever it's fine I guess you can eat it right but I I've never really like looked at a, a piece of like I guess fruit in the supermarket and I'm like okay why is it so cheap like because I was never thought to think that way so I really like how your movements are like provoking that deeper thinking process that like okay where is my food really coming from what are the nutrients that are meant to be um in this ingredient or, like or am I really getting the most out of what this fruit is supposed to give me like where does it come from how has it grown I think that's just amazing and really thinking about like I guess I don't know if it's like the right term but like that transfer of love and passion from the growing process up to when you consume it I think that's something that people definitely overlook or that's something that you don't really get in the city so I am excited to go visit you Carla I am yeah I'm serious send it out (laughs) yes I'm serious (laughs) <laughs> I told um, Project Pulo that they can have like a headquarters wherever Kai Farms sets up. There's going to be like a Project Pulo area there because I feel like it's important to ground um, 
you know, the big vision and the energy, like you mentioned it earlier, and I'd like to provide that that space here in Palawan. I think what I got from all of you, um, since you guys um, really brought up a lot of issues, so land reform and lots of GMOs, golden rice, um, it's something, uh, sorry, hopefully you could like talk about more so our listeners could also um, know more about the issue. Um, and like just saving seeds, just all of the, these issues are so interconnected to each other and like they're in different levels. So um, seeing the different, it's, it's difficult to think of um, a set solution, right? Yeah, but what I realized was it's really important to start from yourself, right? Um, start asking questions. Uh, where is this um, food product from? Or like, what are the small things I can do to start my journey in getting into regenerative agriculture? Like, okay, I need to save seeds. I need to do my part to share my my knowledge and also I think it's uh, inner confidence <laughs> like what was mentioned earlier how to take control back and like how to be prideful of like what the Philippines has to offer I think that's a really big step and an important step before sharing your thoughts with the community fixing problems with land reform you have to uh, fix your internal biases also right I'm not sure if that's the correct term but yeah <laughs> yeah I think it's like a transformation needs to take place um, yeah, learning to speak also more truthfully. So I think a trip to Palawan will really help in that respect. <laughs> I think with our with our generation, it's like you need to feel it to be able to understand it. I, I think we're a very like, I guess, emotional kind of like, that's how we make our connection to things. So that would be just so amazing to have that, like, I guess that avenue to, to feel like that connection to nature and like the simplicity of life outside of the city. Definitely. I think a lot of my transformation has been from actually being out there, you know, not from like reading <laughs> things online or in books or anything. It's really, yeah. you know, conversations with farmers and... It's something exciting to look forward to after this pandemic since everything's just like on your screen so you're like oh no <laughs> am I really learning? <laughs> um, so excited really, really excited to immerse yourself you know? <laughs> and just breathe. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. breathe air that hasn't already been in these four walls for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the next question would be where do you see your initiatives in let's say five years time in terms of like transitioning from food security to sovereign for the Filipino people. I love that. Well, five years from now, I hope to be, uh, you know, seeing Kai Farms in, in Palawan really having having um, created a lot of the food forests that, um, in a way, like food forests, it's like believing in tomorrow because you're planting today to secure the future. So I think like we need to be planting food for us on a massive scale because the Philippines really gives us so much and there's so much that it could, you know, with um, with money. And what's, I'm getting sidetracked, but back to five years from now, what I'd like, what I, I'd like to see us really that we've manifested the vision for um, regenerative agriculture, ecosystem restoration, women empowerment, teaching the children the earth care and love, and you know, creating beautiful organic products, um, and providing a post-harvest processing facility to all organic farms in the area where we are, which is Nui Bahai. So there's a lot of organic farms there, and they can't 
you know, process anything because they don't have the money or facilities. So to give the community this opportunity to earn more revenue from being able to process their organic um, produce into products that will support people health and planet health. And also to, to bring back the sacred. You know, I think a lot of what we're talking about is bringing back the sacred, remembering that we are sacred and that life is sacred and that food is sacred and we need to um, I'm getting emotional talking about it but we need to remind people of this truth and uh, and living it you know living out here I just I witness the sacred every day like sometimes I'm just looking out and I'm just I have to stop because it's just so beautiful um, the way the light is coming out of the sky and rays um, or the way the light you know is golden hour is in the plants and the trees all around and the being in community with trees and plants and the elements like when you live out here you um, you realize you are nature we are nature right we're one and I think the walls and the glass and the city and all the concrete has um, created this big disconnect so the vision really five years from now would be to have a place that is able to remind people and to support the community like every step of the way in every way we can to help those who are less fortunate than ourselves um, and to have medicinal forests and medicinal gardens and to be like to have this to have this be not just like um, you know happening in one area but to really like share the inspiration to do this all over the Philippines, all over beautiful islands. And, you know, I feel inspired. Like last night I saw that um, local lab in Sergao, they want to be like the Silicon Valley of coconuts. And then they're also starting this thing where they're partnering with Sari Sari stores for refilling stations. So that's part of the vision too. It's affecting change at a systems level, at at a relatable level, at a practical level of, um, so that the consumerist culture does not create so much, um, so much of a divide between those who have cash and those who don't. And it also doesn't create so much trash and so much, you know, carbon footprint that the planet can't sustain human life anymore so we need to like wake up so five years from now I'd like to be in a place where everybody's awake and aware of the the role that each one of us plays individually as well as together that we can do this together and we need to hold hands and do this and it becomes joyful and it becomes um, a really a beautiful human experience does that make sense? Everything that Carla said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that piece of your heart with us. I think that hit all of us. Like, just, I am at the loss for words. That I completely agree with everything that you said. And 
I guess also like it, it definitely boils down to again this whole I guess the theme of what we've been speaking about is that connection to nature kind of really I guess humbles you in different ways and it's like for, for I I guess one of our dreams specifically in Habitan is to feel what you're feeling Carla to be in that space where you can really figure out your <laughs> <laughs> your internet connection <laughs> oh no oh my gosh okay, you're back you're back okay, you're back <laughs> don't worry we felt you but what did you say no, sorry <laughs> <laughs> no like I think it, again it, it's like centered around it, I guess the theme of what we have been speaking about this entire time is that that connection to nature it makes you feel your place in the world it makes you feel important and I guess it's also like connected to the pandemic now like I guess like mental health issues have been on the rise especially for our generation like being locked up for so long and it's because we don't have that connection with nature so definitely that dream to be in a space where like um, you guys are is that you know to be with that connection in nature and like really see our worth see our place in this big big world because it's so daunting oh I lagged again I heard it. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, I completely agree, Carla. I think after after this, I'm gonna go take a walk and like see the <laughs> outside. Because <laughs> like I don't know, <laughs> I'm so inspired. Um, but yeah, I agree with what Anel said. It's really going back to nature and like what I said earlier, going back to the basics. Um, it just um this disconnect. Um, it also adds this personal disconnect also adds to let's say the bigger problem which is a climate crisis also and um i really do hope that we are um awake and alive <laughs> um yeah everyone's awake regarding these issues because um in 2030 everybody's expecting the like the worst of the climate crisis to happen right um but yeah um charlene would you like to go ahead and answer that <laughs> I guess the only thing I can add is that in five years' time, I hope we are having a conversation in person in Palawan, <laughs> and you are telling us about how, and we are grateful with everything we've chosen to do in the last five years, and that somehow this conversation has planted seeds in ways that we could work towards a regenerative culture. And food system for the Philippines, where you guys know your parts. Amazing, <laughs> amazing! Oh my gosh, honestly, we could go on the whole day. I would never get sick of this whole conversation. This is amazing. But I guess to wrap up a bit about what we've been talking about. So um, for us, we started down to earth because um, we really wanted to speak to people in an open and honest and like grounded nature. And so I guess. Our last question for you is: What values do you guys take pride in, and as a social enterprise, or what values do you guys um, uh, keep close to the heart that allows you to continue the work that you do? <laughs> we did like a, we did sort of like we named our values. Um, one of them was food. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, and then yeah, because it really is a value like in and of itself. <laughs> And it also supports the other values, um, but yeah, food is right up there with 
no more explanation. Um, another one is joy. Um, I think we've learned that the joy is very important for the work. So keeping that and learning to sustain that is, is, a, is a new skill <laughs> that we're all trying to develop, being open to it. Um, love for self and others. So, I mean, if we were to use a framework of a materialistic framework and or like a capitalistic framework, none of this work will ever get done. But I think uh, with a sense of like love and community, it all sort of makes sense and is worthwhile. Uh, commitment to social justice or grit in the service of social justice. So even if we don't know the solutions, we feel that this experience with nature, this ability to dream and to breathe is a basic human right that we shouldn't take away either from the next generation. So commitment to finding those solutions, whatever they may be. I believe that's everything. So love, community, food, and Grit and the service of social justice are our um, values at Good Food Community. I love that. <clears throat> For us, um, I think we it's about love, kindness, respect, compassion, beginning with how we treat ourselves with love, kindness, respect, compassion, how we treat uh, each other and those around us, our, our, you know, our family, the people we work with, those who support us at home and at work, and the bigger communities, treating them and each other with love, kindness, respect, compassion. And finally, Mother Earth, treating Mother Earth with love, kindness, respect, compassion. I think with that, everything else follows and falls into place. I love that. Thank you so much. And the values you guys um, mentioned, it's, it's overlooked again. Like It sounds so simple to do, but then so many people just forget about it. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your values. And Habilin basically means um, to give something for safekeeping. And we'd actually want to ask you, um, you need to give us advice uh, for the youth um, moving forward. Um, what, what, or what message would you like to pass down to the next generation? Well, with my own daughters, like self-care is a big one. You know, if they just get that right, I'm like... I know they'll be okay. <laughs> and that it goes back to that treating yourself with love, kindness, respect, compassion. Like it's so simple, but it goes so deep. Um, I think a lot of people don't take care of themselves and um, it needs to start there, I think. Just, you know, eating right, getting enough sleep, you know, getting enough exercise and just um, taking care of yourself first and then growing it from there because it's not going to be sustainable if you don't take care of yourself first as a starting point and as the foundation because then everything everything will follow and you can bring that and you know grow that outwards that's that's so true i like that uh this conversation is that it really does start like from within and it starts at the point like this the spirit spiritualistic um portion of everything at this and I like that you really, I guess, gave importance to self-care, which is honestly overlooked. So many places are like, I guess, for so many of us in our generation. So yeah, um, how about you, Charlene? And then, sorry, I just, I just want to okay, add sorry. that I think like uh, yeah. the self-care, I think it's like the cornerstone of resilience because you can't create a resilient world and a resilient, you know, like we're talking about regenerative agriculture. The whole reason is for that, right? To 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 be resilient because of the climate crisis. And um, I guess it's all about care. So it's growing that care. Yeah, I mean, I could I could keep talking, but I'll just leave it at that. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. And come visit me. I'll say come visit me. <laughs> That's our advice. And then we can have these conversations in person. Yeah, I'm gonna like. I just thought of something that uh, I don't know if it will translate. But earlier in the discussion, we were talking about food and like how nutritious it might be, and um, how we're often thinking about like nutritional qualities, like how much vitamins and minerals it has. Is it maximized and stuff? But I think like working with Um, the soil and with living, you know, not just like manufactured products that are maximized and optimized, also made me think about like you know, gut health and our ability to receive nutrients and receive what is good for us. And in many ways, by eating right or by eating better, we heal our our systems and we are better able. We are more attuned to what we can receive and digest and i think that's what self-care does you know it prepares our system to receive in a way what is best for us and often we're just often shunning things that that aren't healthy but i don't know i just kind of enjoyed that parallel analogy um for me the my habilin would be to dream awake Um, I guess I've been thinking of this for. It still is the same from my from years ago. I know it feels like we're very isolated and we're very like, what do we know <laughs> where we're at, right? Um, but here we are, and you know, even as we look to the sky, we need our feet planted on the ground. Take one step after another. So I invite you to keep that, you know, with your whole being, to keep looking forward keep looking upward with your feet planted on the ground and to grow you know make a path for all of us nice can i add something of um finding your why you know what you love to do and i think what shar said made me think about you know have your feet firmly on the ground but look up at the sky and that's really like our it's a good segue into what's your highest purpose like why were you incarnated as a soul why are you here now um and it's aligning with that and being open to um yeah being open i think if we're open and we're living with gratitude then possibilities uh emerge and we see we see opportunities and magic happens and the universe supports us once you know what your highest purpose is the universe will support you and bring you with people with whom you're you're going to help each other right manifest your highest purpose and it's going to be for a greater good so then it's beautiful it's fun it doesn't feel like work and you're living joyfully and enjoy that process okay <laughs> don't rush it like i can i relate to fear and the impatience and, and like, just trust <laughs> trust that what is unfolding is you know trust it trust it trust the journey because i remember always being like um am i doing it enough you know am i you know am i enough it was always like am i enough but just trust that you are enough you are enough like you just have to do what you're supposed to do but you are enough and trust in the unfolding trust in the divine divine timing i'm really so inspired <laughs> and yeah i'm probably going to think about this during my walk after <laughs> <laughs> towards Palawan <laughs> <laughs> you'll need a yes. boat at some point 
<laughs> feet on the ground. <laughs> thank you so much for joining Together us today, today and also taking the time to share your stories with us and also definitely inspiring us today. And we, um, I guess at this point, we want to invite our listeners to, if they want to uh, learn more about your movements, where could they check you out? Maybe you can plug your socials at this point. Uh, IG Good Food Community. <laughs> <laughs> or goodfoodcommunity.com.org uh, Facebook, same thing Good Food Community, also check out Slow Food Sari Sari, which is what Carla alluded to, so it's a coalition which Carla helped birth <laughs> and um, I think it helps us keep grounded as well, especially in the city and learning to dream within the city so if you're interested in doing that, to grow where we're planted <laughs> And to grow in the Echo City, I suggest to we're welcoming volunteers. Beautiful, Shar. Thanks for like mentioning that that um, the birthing together. I think oh, yeah. we're supposed to birth a lot of stuff together, right? Yep. Women birth a lot of things. You know, that's like a special power. That's a superpower women have. So for us, it's on Instagram. We're Kai Farms PH, and our website is KaiFarms.ph. And um, on Facebook, we're Kai Farms Ecosystem. In person, just reach out. Yeah, reach out about coming out here. I think if you're interested, I would really encourage you to um, plan a trip out here. It's actually really a lot of people think it's not accessible and it's expensive. There's ways to do it. Um, I know people who you know don't have like endless funds who are here and living really happy, fulfilled lives. So it's possible. Thank you so much, everybody. So that wraps up our first episode of Down to Earth. Thank you again so much to Carla and Charlene for joining us today. We loved listening to your stories and we've learned so much from you and we're so excited to share this with our listeners. And hopefully, we will see our listeners um, join us in Palawan very soon. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so again if you'd like to know more about them and their work check them out at at Kai Farms PH and at Good Food Community at, at Slow Food Sari Sari on Instagram and don't forget to follow at Habilan underscore on Instagram and like our Facebook page at Habilan to find out when Down to Earth's next episode comes out so that's exciting yay thank you so much again